We're continuing our series on help God's hope for the hurting. And so far we've talked about issues like uh, anger and addiction, right? And, uh, um, and this morning I have the privilege of talking about alone, being alone. Um, Tom Hanks starred in the movie Castaway, and he played the role of Chuck Noland. Um, Chuck Nolan was a FedEx uh, systems analysis, and whenever there was like a major problem in some part of the world, he would fly over there to some FedEx depot and take care of that, that productivity problem. He was also a workaholic, and so it was Christmas uh, Day, and there was a Christmas party with his family, and he gets a phone call that there's a, there's a problem with FedEx over in Malaysia, so he he gets on a plane and he, and he flies, he's flying to Malaysia. And as he's flying there, he encounters a horrific storm. The storm was so bad that it causes his plane to, to crash in the Pacific Ocean. And, and Chuck Nolan is the only one who survives this, this plane crash. And he ends up on a lifeboat and ends up finding himself on an uncharted and uninhabited island. So now he's got to figure out how to survive, right? He's got to figure out how to get food, how to you know, find drinkable water and shelter. And he, and he starts figuring out those things. But as, as hard and tragic as those things are, and um, what he was facing even more so was loneliness. He was all alone. There was nobody to talk to, nobody to listen to him. And he found himself on this island for four years. Well, there's a, there's a scene in the movie where he's trying to start this, this fire. And as, he, as he's trying to start this fire, he cuts his hand really bad and gets all bloody and he gets angry and frustrated, throws some things on the ground. And one of the things he has is, is a Wilson volleyball and he throws that to the ground. And, and as, as he, when he calms down and he looks at the, the Wilson volleyball, he notices his handprint. He says, oh, it kind of looks like a face and maybe I can make a friend. And so he draws a, a face on Wilson, uh, the volleyball. And if you've ever seen the movie, he the rest of the movie, he talks to Wilson, and Wilson's his best friend on the island because there's nobody else there. Now, none of us are, are probably going to ever find ourselves on an uncharted and uninhabited, deserted island in our lives and feeling all alone. But some of us feel like we're living that right now. We feel like, yeah, we, we're living in society, we're living in culture, but, but you feel all alone. I was reminded of this this past week. I, I went just down the street here to, uh, to visit the administration at Harder Middle School. And, and one of the things that they're trying to figure out as they're getting ready for the school year, and sorry, students, I'm reminding you that school's coming soon, but they were, they're thinking about and they're figuring out lockers. And they're like, what do we do about lockers and social distancing still and all that stuff? And, and one of the administrators says, you know, we don't even want to need to worry about the lockers. We can worry about that later on. We just got to get the students back in school. and We got to figure that out. And the reason why they're saying that is as bad as the, phys- the pandemic was this past year, the physical consequences of that, the social emotional health of students, they said, was really suffered. And a lot of students, they have tough home lives, but a lot of students, they just felt really alone at home, felt disconnected from their peers and others. And that said, we really need to get them to school to, to experience community. You know, God created us for relationship with him and relationships with other people. And as we open to Psalm 102, we're going to see that the psalmist um, is lonely. So I want to encourage you, ask you to open your Bibles to Psalm 102. And the context of this psalm is uh, most likely it's during the Babylonian exile. We, we don't know the, who the author is, but if you, if, as we read this psalm, you'll see it's talking about Jerusalem and Zion, and it's talking about the ruins that he sees on that. So it, it's, it's a place of, of destruction that some nation conquered. So most likely the Babylonians conquered them, and they're in exile. And this, this author of Psalm 102 is, is feeling alone and lonely. 
Loneliness is a complex struggle. And as we open to Psalm 102, you can see in the preface, um, it's, he says, a prayer of one afflicted when he is faint. And he pours out his complaint before the Lord. And verse 1, the psalmist says, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. And then jump down to verse 7, and we see how, where it says that he's lonely. He says, I lie awake. I'm like a lonely sparrow on the housetop. Now, there's reasons why we may feel lonely. You might feel lonely in your suffering. And, and there's probably some of you that are experiencing physical, chronic pain. Um, you've gone to the doctor, you've tried everything, and you continue to have this chronic pain. And like, it seems like you're all alone and nobody really understands the pain you're going through. Others of you maybe have mental suffering. Maybe there's been some traumatic event in your life. Maybe you were abused uh, in the past, and, and, or maybe you have uh, mental health issues, and you know that, but you just feel like you're all alone in dealing with this mental suffering. Others of you, it's your circumstance in life. I, I've known students where you know, they'll have a best friend, and they have a best friend in, that's in high school, and, and maybe they have a best friend, the same friends at youth group, and then their friend, they, they move away, Right? And it's not like you can like go to school to the next day and, and, and make a best friend, right? It takes time. And they feel all alone in their circumstance. You might feel lonely in your sin. I think we've all experienced this. You're driving down the road at, at night and you see those beady eyes in the middle of the road, a possum, right? And as soon as it sees your headlights, it, it scurries off into the dark ditch and just trying to escape your car. But I think sometimes that's how we are with our sin, right? Sometimes with our sin, though, Maybe we enjoy our sin, and we're alone with it, but we enjoy it. And um, John 3, chapter 3, verse 20 says, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. You know, if we're fond of our sin and we enjoy it, maybe you're not at a place where you're not ready to confess and repent to your sin, but you need to do that. Maybe you're ashamed of your sin, and you're afraid if you tell somebody about your sin, you're going to be judged, you're going to be condemned. And so you just don't want to say you want help, but you don't know where to get help. I love what Psalm, uh, Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but, who, uh, but the one who confesses and renounces and finds mercy. Some of you are here today and you're, you're hiding your sin and you, and you know it and you're alone in it. But here's what this, this proverb says, whoever conceals their sin. So if you, if you continue to hide your sin, you know what's going to happen is that in time, God is going to expose your sin. And we've, we've seen people in our lives, maybe it's been in your life, but we've seen people that's happened to. But you know, I love what the rest of this verse says, but the one who confesses their sin and renounces them and finds mercy. So we confess our sin to the Lord and repent of it, and we get help from those that we trust. You know what that says is that God's going to cover us and, and protect us. You might feel lonely in your social circles. I know social media is a big thing today. Um, it's been for quite a while now. And, and you know, you tell people, like, it's important. How many friends do I have on Facebook? Or how many friends do you have on Instagram or Snapchat? And, and you can have, like, a thousand friends on these different platforms. But sometimes you feel alone. Like, you don't have somebody that you could just call up and hang out with over the weekend. Maybe uh, you, you feel alone in, in your social circle of your friend groups. Maybe you do hang out with a bunch of friends. But you realize that... When your friends are hanging out, 
that they seem to be really connected and you're kind of, you're still in that friend group, but you kind of feel like you're on the outside looking in, that you're not really connected with those friends. You know, um, I was talking to a person in our, in our church and I, and I talked about the subject of, I'm ta- preaching on, on being lonely or alone. And they said, you know, sometimes the loneliest place is when you're in a group of people. It really is, isn't it? If you're in a group of people and, and you can be hanging out and nobody's talking to you or connecting with you and they all seem like they're having a good time engaging with one another. Even Justin Bieber, if you guys don't know, he's a, a pop a music star. And, uh, and uh, this past year, he wrote a song about loneliness and how he experienced loneliness in his life. Here's a guy, he has everything the world has to offer. He has money, he has fame, and even Justin Bieber feels lonely. You might feel lonely in your singleness. Now, singleness is not a bad thing. You know, Paul actually says it's a good thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8, Paul says, to the unmarried and the widow, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. And why does he say that? Because if you're single, you have more time to devote to serving the Lord and not being distracted. But he goes on to say in verse 9, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Some of you may be here today and you're single and you're you really want to meet that special somebody and, and you just don't see anybody in sight. And maybe you're growing older and, and you're saying, boy, the, the clock's ticking and, and you really wish that, that God would provide that person for you. Others of you uh, may be divorced or experienced divorce and, uh, and you're saying, you know, when I, when I got married at the altar, you know, I thought that, you know, it was, you know, married for life and I never thought my life would have to go through the intense hurt and pain of, of going through separation and divorce. I have a close friend of my life that got divorced by his wife, and, and I can't tell you the times that I, I would call him up and talk to him and just the loneliness that he struggled with and went through. Or maybe you're widowed and, and you've lost the love of your life to death, and, and you thought you were going to grow old together, and, and now you go home at, at night and it's, a, it's an empty home or an empty bedroom and you're all alone. You understand what it's like to feel lonely in your singleness. You know, loneliness, it can cause various symptoms. If we go on to verse 3 of Psalm 102, we see some symptoms of loneliness here. The psalmist says, For my days pass away like smoke, and my bones burn like a furnace. My heart is struck down like grass and has withered. I forget to eat my bread. Because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. I'm like a desert owl of the wilderness, like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I'm like a lonely sparrow on the housetop. All the day my enemies taunt me. Those who deride me use my name for a curse. For I eat ashes like bread and mingle tears with my drink. Because of your indignation and anger, for you have taken me up and thrown me down. My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass." So we see from this, one of the symptoms of loneliness is an unhealthy life, right? We see that the psalmist is dealing with depression. In verse 4, he talks about how his heart is struck down like grass and has withered. And he repeats that again in verse 11, how he, he withers away like grass. You also see an eating disorder in verse 4, right? He says, I forget to eat my bread. So sometimes if you struggle with loneliness, maybe you just can't eat food. Or, or maybe it's the other extreme where you use food to comfort you and all you do is just eat all day long. We see here, too, that uh, 
he struggles with a sleeping disorder, right? In verse 7, he says, I lie awake at night. I think we know what it's like to, you can't sleep and you lie awake at night. And that's, this is because he's lonely, he lies awake at night. Or you have the other extreme where you're just down and depressed because you're lonely. You just want to sleep as much as you can and forget about things. Other things that can cause an unhealthy life from loneliness is type 2 diabetes or heart disease or high blood pressure, or, or maybe you start to form a mental illness or emotional problems. I know a, a person in my life that was close to me was, was struggling with loneliness, and they turned to substance abuse with prescription drugs just to make them feel better and, and kind of numb the pain and, of feeling lonely, or, or maybe it could be alcohol or some other drug. So loneliness, one symptom is an unhealthy life. Another symptom of, is unrealistic perspectives, right? If you're lonely, you might start to think, man, there must be something wrong with me, right? Like, why, why don't I have close friends? Is there, is there something wrong? Am I worthless? Or maybe you, you switch your, your perspective is on others, and you think maybe the problem is everybody else. Why doesn't everybody else care? You know, they don't just understand what's going on in my life. The psalmist felt this. If you look in verse 3, he, he had an unrealistic perspective of just his days in life. He said, Days were passing away like smoke, and his days, in verse 11, were an evening shadow that would be drifting into darkness. He just didn't have a realistic perspective on life. Or another symptom is unfulfilled dreams. In verse 6, we see that psalmist, and, and it's the idea that here he is, and it says, I am like a desert owl in the wilderness, like an owl of the waste places, that he is, imagine that he's walking in Jerusalem, and he just sees the ruins around him. And he was just thinking, uh, you know, how great life used to be in the city of Jerusalem when we would be here and we would worship the Lord in the temple and, and sing his praises. And, and maybe he had dreams of just raising his family in that environment. But now, as he looks around him, it's just in utter ruins. I was asking a lady in our church, and, and, and she's a widow, and her, her husband died. And, and I said, what was the hardest part for you once you lost your husband? And she said, you know, the hardest part for me was just all the shattered dreams, all the dreams that we, I had that I was going to live with him when we grew old. And that just disappeared once he died. But she said, the one thing though, even though those dreams were unfulfilled, she said, I always knew that the Lord was with me. So loneliness though, there is hope, right? And God gives us hope in this psalm and it can be combated with the right strategies. It can be combated with the right strategy. And the first strategy is this, to pour out your heart to God in prayer. If you look at the beginning of, of the psalm, the preface again says, a prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaints before the Lord. And in verse one, we see him actually doing that. Hear my prayer, O Lord, let my cry come to you. I ask myself this question, like we know when we're struggling with something, when we're lonely or whatever the issue is, yeah, we know we're supposed to pour, pour out our heart to God in prayer, don't we? But we don't always do that. And I said, why don't we do that? I think sometimes we don't do that is because we think, does God really care about me? Does he really care about my loneliness? Or, or we think, you know, God may care, but you know what? He's got so much he's responsible for, right? He's got to hold the universe and the world together. And, you know, he's got other things, more important things to think about more than my loneliness. But God does care about you. And we continue as we go, keep going through this psalm, we see that there's a couple reasons why we should go to God. And the first reason is in verse 12. 
It's in God's sovereign rule. It says, but you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. It's saying that God is on his throne. He's all powerful, but he's not just sitting on his throne disconnected from us, but he's also, he's a personal God. He's all powerful, but he's also very personal. I love what Psalm 139 verses seven to 10 says. It says, where can I go from your spirit? And where can I flee from your presence? If I were to go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. So know this, that God is always there. You may feel them, but he's always there. He's always wherever you're at. There's nowhere you can escape his presence. But we also see from the psalm that God is a compassionate God. Look in verse 13. It says, you will arise and have pity on Zion. It is a time to favor her. The appointed time has come. Verse 14, for your servants hold her stones dear and have pity on her dust. Nations will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth will fear your glory. For the Lord builds up Zion. He appears in his glory. And, and look at verse 17 says, he regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. God has compassion on you. So we can go and we can pour out our hearts to him because he is all powerful. He's personal, but he also is compassionate. When I was about 20 years old, my, I was still living in Detroit and my brother and I decided we were going to come over to Chicago and I didn't know much about Chicago except it was a big city and in big cities there's fun things to do. And so we were going to explore Chicago. And so we both uh, decided the way we were going to get around quickly in Chicago was to use rollerblades. So we rollerbladed around Chicago and went around down Michigan Avenue and tried catching light poles to stop so we didn't run into cars. And it was pretty fun. And, uh, but then as we're in Chicago, you know, we realized, you know, what else can we do since we're here in Chicago? It's like, well, you know, I used to go to a church in Michigan. It was Highland Park Baptist Church in Southfield, Michigan. And my, my senior pastor back then was, was Joel Stoll. And, and Moody had the nerve to steal my senior pastor, and he became president of Moody Bible Institute. And so, okay, he's the president of Moody. And so he, we're downtown Chicago. It's like, Gino, why don't we go visit, you know, Dr. Stoll? And uh, he said, okay, sounds good. And, and I was young and naive as a 20-year-old. I didn't know that, you know, being a president of a seminary, of a Bible Institute, that, you know, that they're going to be busy and have responsibilities, right? And I thought, you can't just show up, right? <laughs> so I, I, we showed up, and we went to Moody, and we we got to the front desk and we asked, you know, hey, where's, where's uh, President Stoll's office? And they said it's up on the, like, 14th floor. So we took the elevator up and, uh, and, we, and then we see the glass doors, you know, you know, the president's office, you know, Moody Bible Institute. So we go into the, past the doors and we catch his administrative assistant and, and she says, can I help you? And I says, yeah, um, I'm Mario Aaron Day. This is my brother, Gino Aaron Day. And, you know, we're from his his previous church that he was pastor of at, at Highland Park. And, and uh, we just wanted to say hi. And she said, well, he's in a meeting right now in the boardroom, but let me just go check on a second. So she had to sit down in, in the, his lobby right there. And, and I'll never forget this. This made such a huge impression on me. You know what, you know what uh, Dr. Stoll did? He stopped his meeting and he came out into the lobby and sat down in a chair for five or 10 minutes and he talked to my brother and like, Mario, it's so good to see you. How is your mom and dad doing? You know, I'm so glad you stopped by. And you know, in, this, in a greater, more infinite way, that's what God 
wants to do with us. God always has time for us. He's never too busy for us. He wants to pull up a chair next to you and, and he wants to hear about your pain and your hurts and your loneliness. So I want to encourage you, pour out your heart to God. Why can we do that? Because 1 Peter 5, 7 says to cast our care on Jesus because he cares for us, doesn't he? You think about Jesus. Nobody understands the depths of loneliness like Jesus does. If you think about Jesus, I mean, first of all, you know, he came to this earth and nobody could understand what it's like to be fully God and now to come and be a, live as a human being and, and walk on this earth in a sin, sin-tainted world, right? And then as he's, the night before he was crucified, He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And what does he tell his, his best friends, his disciples? Hey, can you guys please stay up with me and stay awake while I pray? And they all fell asleep, right? And so he was all alone. But isn't it neat that Jesus modeled pouring out his heart to the Father, that as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's pouring out his heart. And he said, Father, please take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. And we know that he, he continues to go towards the cross and, and his betrayer, Judas, comes and with all the Roman soldiers and Jesus is, is arrested. And what do all his best friends do? They desert him. The loneliness that Jesus feels, right? He understands what loneliness is. But it even gets worse than that for Jesus. When he, he gets through all the physical pain and beatings, he, he goes through the, the crown of thorns on his head. He goes through the scourging with the whip on his back. He's crucified to the cross and the intense pain that he goes to the cross. And I'll tell you, all that physical pain pales in comparison to the loneliness Jesus feels. And I'll tell you why. Because think about this, for all eternity past, all Jesus knew was incredible intimacy with the Father and the Son, Father and the Spirit, like you and I can never experience. That's all he knew. And when Jesus went to the cross, his perfect, holy, sinless body took upon himself our sin. And when he, when he took our sin upon his body, the father that all he knew was intimacy for all eternity past turned his back on his only son, Jesus. And not only that, the father poured out his wrath on Jesus's body. Talk about depths of loneliness that Jesus felt. So when you feel lonely, you can pour your heart out to Jesus because he gets it more than you and I can ever get it. But I would be remiss to, to assume that everyone understands what it means to, to pour out their heart to God and in order to pour out your heart to God, you still you have to first have a relationship with Jesus. Like I shared at the beginning, God created us for a relationship with him and other people. But when he created us for a relationship with him, we all had a problem called sin, and our sin had separated us from God. So that means when we sinned, it's, that relationship with God is broken. And too many people think that if I'm a good person, that's going to erase my sin. That's simply not true. The Bible is very clear that sin can't be removed by good deeds. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came to this earth. He's fully God and fully man. He lived a perfect life. And Jesus paid for our sins on the cross. And three days later, he rose from the dead. And the Bible is really clear that if you repent of your sin and put your trust in Jesus alone, you are forgiven your sin. And you know what the, the great coolest thing is? Is that he comes to live inside of you. And then you're never alone because he always lives inside of you. He's not just living present everywhere outside, but he lives inside of you. And if you're here today and you've, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I want to encourage you to do that before you leave today. So not only are we are to pour our, our heart to God in prayer, but we're also to pursue deep relationships with God's people. If you pursue deep relationships with God's people, that will also help um, cure your loneliness. 
Look at verses 18 to 22. The psalmist says, Let this be recorded for a generation to come so that the people yet to be created may praise the Lord. You see how the people are praising the Lord, and as they're praising and focusing on the Lord, they're pursuing the Lord together with other people. Verse 19, that he looked down from his holy height, from heaven the Lord looked at the earth, to hear the groans of the prisoners, to set free those who were doomed to die, that they may declare in Zion the name of the Lord and in Jerusalem his praise. When people gather together, and kingdoms to worship the Lord. You know, God not only provided Jesus Christ to be the cure for our loneliness, but he also provided his church, didn't he? People that will point us to God and walk with us. And, but how does that happen? How does that happen here at Village Bible Church, right? And it's, I just want to tell you, it's awesome that you're here on a Sunday morning, a part of our worship service. But I'll, I'll tell you, like, You can't form deep relationships with other people if you just come on Sunday morning. You've got to get involved in the body of Christ. And there's really two ways I want to encourage you to get involved is is in small groups and in serving. I'll tell you, I I love our college-age small group. I'm a part of our college-age small group, and we meet on Sunday nights. And I'll tell you, the the deep relationships that have been formed there this year are incredible. This last Sunday, we, we met and. At the end of small group, uh, unbeknownst to me, uh, one of our, our college-age students, uh, Sarah, she decided that she, was, uh, she brought a guitar, and she said, hey, let's, let's sing some worship songs. And we ended our night just worshiping the Lord together. Um, you know, our, our college students are hanging out all the time. Like this past Friday, we had a, a bonfire at Mary's house, and this next week, they're talking about another bonfire. Tonight is trivia night, and, and we have two tables of college-age students. We have 15 uh, college age students showing up to trivia night and and at the end of this year we're we're planning on going a, on a retreat to Lake Ann camp and I tell you some great communities happening in, in our college age small group in spite of all those things I share you know what my favorite thing is about this group is the texting thread that we have I tell you like it's just neat that as as they're we're in this texting thread they're sharing just about prayer requests you know some of them need jobs and they're saying please pray for me I have a job interview this week they're sharing about you know, sick family members, and they're praying about that. They're sharing about, I'm, I'm working, have this coworker, and I'm, I want to share the gospel with them, and they're just sharing stuff about their coworker. And one of the neat things that happened was uh, um, last Wednesday, 10 days ago, Micah um, piped in in our texting thread. It's like, okay, look, I normally probably wouldn't ask for this, but um, my cat has been missing for a few days now, and could you guys please pray for that? Normally my cat comes home within a day, but it's been gone for like two or three days, and it was just neat to see our, my phone explode and everyone's like 11 o'clock at night and like, hey, we'll pray for you. We'll pray for your cat that he comes home. And what's cool, like, at, you know, Micah gets up to go to work early at 5 o'clock in the morning. He said, guess what, guys? My cat was standing at the front door, you know, when I came home, you know. And so isn't that great? And I tell you, just celebrating little things like that of how God works. And I tell you, that's, that's pursuing deep relationships with God's people in small groups. But also I want to encourage you to pursue deep relationships with others in serving. You know, they say on average, uh, 20% of, of the ministry done in the church, or 80% of the ministry done in the church is done by 20% of the people. And, and that's usually the typical average. I think village is a little higher, but I'll tell you, God is giving every single one of you gifts and passions, and he wants you to use those gifts and passions to serve him. Find a place to, to serve him, whether it's, you know, on the first impressions team, in the student ministry. I love to have some more student ministry leaders in the children's ministry, you know, on the worship team. There's all kinds of ministry, but I'll tell you what, 
This past year, uh, some of my closest friends are the student ministry leaders that I work with, that they have become such a close family to me. Many of you know that uh, uh, my son um, went through cancer this past year, and, and thank the Lord that uh, you know the scan showed that there's no more signs of cancer, and we praise the Lord for that. But I'll tell you, having having those leaders walk through me and encourage me and send me you know verses and, and prayers and, and time spent with, there's nothing like that. And, and it wasn't just for me, but I see them ministering to each other that way as they serve together in our student ministry. We really love hanging out together, and we, we wish we could even have more time together. And I'll tell you, I want to encourage you if, you, if you're not involved in the ministry, find a place to serve. And when you start doing that, you will develop some deep relationships with God's people. So we see that God has provided an answer for us when we're lonely, right? To pour out our hearts to him in prayer and pursue deep relationships with his people.